Go with me again to Mark the 11th chapter this evening. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand and use one of our Bibles and turn to Mark 11. And also we'll be going to 2 Timothy 1. Mark 11, verse 22, and 23, and 24. Very familiar passage to many of us that been influenced by Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry and many others. And we are so thankful that God has raised up so many fine men and women that have uh, brought to us revelation of faith. And uh, we have more light on faith than previous generations, by and large. Something to be thankful for. Of course, it's not just what you know, but what you do. But in talking about faith, it's a mistake to think that you've kind of arrived in knowing what faith is. I mean, that'd be a big mistake. Think, well, I, you know, maybe some other stuff I need to learn about, but I got faith. I know about faith. No, nobody's like that. And um, just uh, Brother Hagin, you say this all the time. He says, the more I learn, the less I see I know. And it's just the truth. The people who think they know so much are pitifully ignorant. It's true. I've had people sometimes that you could tell they were so haughty about what they thought they knew about the Bible. And they come and want to argue about something. And it's just pitiful how ignorant they are of the Scriptures. Because somebody who really does know something about the Word is not going to be that way. They're not going to be haughty and proud. Because they know for every verse they understand... There's 50 that can hardly find. And any verse you do have understanding of. How many know the word of God is living? It's alive. And I mean. Nobody's ever exhausted. All the light and revelation from any verse of scripture. It's alive. It's living. And uh, if you do grow. It's humbling. Because you'll grow. And you'll see something. And you'll walk in it for maybe years. And then you'll get a revelation and realize you didn't even know the first part of what that was talking about. And you thought you knew something about it. It's humbling, isn't it? And yet it's wonderful. And But that's reality. And then faith certainly is that way. Would you like to learn more about faith? Would you like to develop more in faith? Well, let's believe for it in these times. In verse 22, Jesus said, he answered them and said, have faith. In God. Everybody say that out loud. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Seemingly simple phrase. But a number of people have gotten away from this. They're trying to have faith. But their faith is in different things. Rather than the person of God. There's a lot of people that have faith in principles. They have faith in their faith. They have faith in this. And they, you know, some of it's very subtle. Like you hear a lot of people adamantly say, I have faith in prayer. Well, he said, have faith in God. Is it the same thing? Not necessarily. Well, I have faith in sowing and reaping. Well, it's good, it's, it's truth, 
But you need to have faith in God. Are y'all with me now? You have to watch because you can get your focus off of who you're supposed to have faith in. And be having faith in a what or a thing or an entity or a principle or five steps or something that you can do. Can be faith in your own works. Go to Second uh, Timothy, please. Second Timothy, the first chapter, and verse twelve. Second Timothy, one and twelve. He said, "For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he." is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. He didn't just say, I know what I believe. What did he say? I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he is able. You'll find people whose faith is misplaced in the way I'm talking about. They get technical. You see somebody's getting more and more technical, then you can see their faith is going away from the person into the principles. And the truth is, we know so little. You're not going to know enough to dot every I and cross every T. Did you hear me? Not now. Not 20 years from now. That's good to learn. It's good to grow. But how many understand what I'm talking about? You don't have to know everything about everything in this life. If you know who to call. I don't know everything about working on cars. But I know who to call. I don't know everything about working on buildings or electricity or, or welding, or, but I know who to call. I don't have to know. I mean, you know, a place like this takes a lot of people with a lot of skills. It'd be wrong for me to try to learn everything about all these areas. I just need to have a relationship with the right people. I know who to call. They know who to call. They know who to call. Well, in life, it's that way. You're never going to know everything you need to know to live successfully in life. If somebody comes out with a thousand volume set on what to do in every situation to be a success, save your money. Because it ain't going to cover it. But if you know who. Oh come on now. If you know who. To get in contact with. We know somebody. Who knows everything. About everything. He's actually put his spirit in us. Hasn't he? To show us everything we need to know and see. To lead us into all truth. To bring to our remembrance everything he's said to us. To even show us things to come. 
It's important that we know him and have faith in him and have faith in what he tells us. Now, see, you can be around somebody. I've seen this before, and it's sad that people are so proud and ignorant. I've been in situations where you got somebody that's been doing this for 50 years and is one of the best in the country, one of the best in the world. And you got some guy in there, and he's, he said, well, I'm going to do it this way and that way. And the guy says, no, I don't think you ought to do it that way. And he just ignores him. Now, that's ignorant, isn't it? When you're in the room with somebody that wrote the book, and you're going to tell them they don't know what they're talking about, and this is your second day on the job. Now, I know that sounds ignorant, and nobody would be that ignorant, but people are. All over the place, they have the one inside them that knows everything about everything, but people all over the place are ignoring him. They don't know him well enough. A lot of times, it's just simply, they don't realize it's him. You can be so carnal that you don't realize it's him trying to show you something and trying to give you something, and so you're going to run your own show, and that's why people keep messing it up. We need to know him who indwells us. We need to be God inside minded. And when he shows us something and when he directs us to do something a certain way, we need to have faith in him. And even though it doesn't seem like you ought to do it that way, doesn't make sense to our head, we need to trust him and do it the way he directs us. Do you believe that? What Paul say, I know. In whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he, he is able to keep what I've committed to him. Go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let's look again at our great faith chapter. Can you take some more out of Hebrews 11 tonight? I mean, I've studied, I've looked at a bunch of things, but I'm wide open about which way to go. How about you? You need to be wide open. I mean, we need to be ready if we need to all jump up and do a Jericho march. No matter what a Jericho march is, well, you know, they marched around the walls and then they all shouted. Or if you need to put your nose in the carpet and, and pray for an hour, repent, get things straight. We need to be open. Not set in our minds, but open. And you need to not just be looking at me, and I don't just need to be looking at you. You and I need to be looking at Him by faith and listening for Him and watching for Him. In this great faith chapter of Hebrews 11, we've looked at case after case, and to me they're thrilling. I can get as excited about this as about anything I know of. Seeing how people overcame. Seeing how they received miracles. Seeing how they pleased God by faith. Did these folk have faith in God? Did they know everything? No. Did they always do everything perfectly right? No. We're told in the Bible some big mistakes some of these folks made. But something that got them through over that, all of that and got them past all of that was faith in God. 
Faith in God. Faith in God. Do you have faith in God? Last Friday we saw somebody named Rahab. Most everybody knows her as Rahab the harlot. When you see her in heaven though, don't call her that. (laughs) That'd be rude. (laughs) But Rahab had a lot of stuff wrong in her life. How in the world did she get in here? Hebrews 11. Along, right, right in here, in the middle, rubbing elbows with Sarah and Abraham and Moses and David. How'd she get in here? By faith is right. By faith. And we saw how that she and her family were delivered and spared and their stuff when nobody else was in the whole city. Could God do that for you and I today? Come on, we need to believe this strong. Could God spare you and your family if everybody in your community died from a disease? Or from some kind of natural catastrophe? or whatever? Could He spare you and your family in the middle of it if everybody around you perished? Could He do it? We saw one person's faith affected their whole family. Could that still be true today? That was one of the ladies here in the 11th chapter. Let's look at the uh, another lady, Sarah. The Bible says, verse 11, Through faith also Sarah herself. I like that. She wasn't just riding on Abram's coattail. Sarah herself had faith. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Now we know when she was a young woman, she was called barren, could not conceive. And yet after she's older, after she's gone through the change of life, something miraculous happened to her. Didn't it? Happened to Abraham. And happened to Sarah. Happened to their bodies. Didn't it? All we need to know. It doesn't make any difference. If a body part is shriveled up and dead. Because of long age. Or abuse. Or disease. Did you hear me? Can God touch it? And quicken it? And can that organ or can that gland or can that body part flourish and become moist and become alive and become healthy again? Even if it's been dead and hasn't worked for 30 years. Do you believe it? Do we serve a God who can reach inside you and touch a body part? Did that happen to her? The Bible said she received strength. What did this strength do? What was this strength? This strength was the life of God. It came into her body that was now old. And it changed her organs. And it changed her glands. 
it changed her from the inside out and made her able to do things and her body able to do things it couldn't do when she was 25. Do you believe if you needed a quickening in your body some way that God would do the same thing for you? He would. He will. If, if you'll have faith like she did. You know, she didn't start out like this. She started out laughing at the word of the Lord. You remember that? She got off to a rocky start. You remember that uh, the angel of the Lord came and, and Abram said, you guys wait here and we'll get you something to eat and rest yourselves. And he ran and told Sarah, you know, go cook this and go get this ready. And he told some of the guys that worked for him, get this ready. And they prepared him a meal and. So they're eating and they've already eaten and he's talking with them and she's back in the tent. And she overheard him when uh, the angel of the Lord said, you know, about this time next year, going to have some happy news around here. It's going to be Sarah. She just busted out laughing. She thought, you got to be kidding me. And so she was incredulous. She thought this was a thing incredible. You know, we ought not use that word indiscriminately. People do as a term of exclamation. That's incredible. And they try to say it in a good way. That's not a good word to say. What you're saying is it's not believable. It's not credible. It's not something you should believe or put your faith in. And so that's what she thought. She thought this is incredible. That I'm going to have a baby. But this passage tells us there was a change in her, doesn't it? Because apparently not long after that, she came to a place where she judged God faithful. If you're going to have some miracles happen in your body, in your family, like she had, what must you do? You must do what she did. What did she do? We know she had faith. She's in the faith chapter here in Hebrews 11. How was her faith revealed and released and manifest? She judged or counted God faithful. Is he faithful? Let me read this to you from some other translations. She judged God faithful, the scripture said. The basic English, the BBE, says, uh, by faith, Sarah herself had power to give birth when she was very old because she had faith in him who gave his word. The Living Bible said, Sarah too had faith. And because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age for she realized that God who gave her his promise would certainly do what he said. Now, come on, do you have the picture? She started out laughing. And then the angel of the Lord said, why would you laugh? She thought nobody knew she was there. And she said, oh, I didn't laugh. He said, yeah, you did. She thought it was funny because she thought it was incredible. She thought it was too amazing, too good to happen. How in the world could it happen? 
But something happened after that to where she got to thinking about it. And of course, you know, she's lived with Abraham all her life. She's seen everything God's done for them all their life. How many times he spared her life, spared his life. All of they started out with nothing and now they're rich, 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 rich. And all the things he's done for them. And she must have gotten in the floor in the middle of that tent and said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I got no business laughing and acting like that. Forgive me. I repent. Everything you ever told my husband and everything you ever told us happened just like you said. And I know you're faithful. And if you say you're going to do this, then glory to God, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I say you are faithful. You're faithful to me. You're faithful to my husband. I say you are faithful. And friend, this was faith. And it's still faith today. Listen to the Amplified. Because of faith also Sarah herself received physical power. To conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it. For she considered God, who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. And that is a good literal Greek definition of the word faithful. Somebody say reliable. Reliable. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. True to his word. Don't let this be too simple for you tonight. Let it get in your spirit. Let it excite you. How are you going to get miracles? How can you have change? There's people in here right now. You need changes in your body. It's easy, easy, easy for God to change it. I'm telling you, he can change it and not bend his little finger. Do you believe that now? He can touch your liver, make it like a perfect 18-year-old liver. Did you hear me now? He can touch your kidney. He can touch your blood. He can touch your heart. How many of Sarah had several things that needed to be touched? Her whole insides had to be changed. And that's so easy for God. So easy for God. But you got to hear from Him. And then you've got to count Him and call Him faithful. And that's faith in Him. And faith in his faithfulness. How many understand this? No small thing that this woman's in this chapter right here. Hmm? No small thing. Sarah, certainly she was involved with Abraham through all this, but Sarah has her own verse in Hebrews 11. This is no small thing, this is eternal. How in the world did she get her own verse? In Hebrews 11. She decided. She counted. God. Faithful. Faithful. Somebody say faithful. Let me give you some more definition of faithful. The word faithful. If you look it up in the Hebrew. Look it up in the Greek. It means. It's very similar to the word faith. Of course faithful. Just the very definition of the root word. But it means to build up or to support. Remember the definition of faith? Now faith is what? The substance. That word has really been pushed and pressed and picked apart. And really, 
I think sometimes the wrong idea has been left. Maybe an even more accurate word instead of substance would be foundation. I know some people don't like to hear that, but look it up for yourself. Study it. Faith is the substance. That word, look how it's translated in other places in the same New Testament. It means literally that which stands under. And that's what faithful means. And let me keep going and you'll see what we're talking about. It means to build up our support. It means to be firm. What does firm mean? Solid. Why? It'll carry the weight. You can lean on it. You can put pressure on it. Oh, come on now. You can stand on it. And it's not going anywhere. Faith is the support. Probably the word we'd use is confidence. It's the confidence of things what? Hoped for. Why am I expecting that to happen? Because I'm standing on something. Why am I so convinced that this is going to happen that I hadn't seen yet? Haven't experienced yet. Why am I so convinced? I have a firm confidence. I'm standing on Now, uh, I got some people looking at me funny already. And I know why. Don't take my word for it. Don't take some other preacher's word for it. Get your nose in this book. Look these words up. See what I'm talking about. Of course, you understand, this was originally written in Hebrew and written in Greek. Then it's translated into English. We're going to get into a couple of things tonight that, especially these, some of the modern translations, there are some inaccuracies in them. And some of what people are calling translation is not a good translation. It's a paraphrase. It's a commentary. And they're calling it a translation. It's kind of like, I've spoken overseas. I've spoken in other countries, and you've got to use a translator. But you've got to watch. Because they'll say what they thought you meant instead of what you said. That's one of the biggest issues I've had. Uh, I've had that doing interviews. I've had that with articles and other stuff. I'll say things, and people will take what I said, and they'll put it in their own words and say what they thought I meant. And there's been times when that was the opposite of what I meant, but they were convinced. How many know with the Lord, you should not add to, you should not take from, you should say what He said. Don't say what you thought it meant. Say what He said. Well, people are doing this with the Bible, right and left. And you can do it without meaning to, but we ought to discipline ourselves to stay, just say what He said. Faith is the substance. It is the foundation. It is the confidence for things expected. It is the conviction of things not seen. And if somebody is faithful, then they are a firm, one you can depend on, one you can rely on, one you can trust. Faith is a commitment of trust 
to something you have deemed reliable and faithful. Are you with me or not? To be permanent, to be quiet, to be true, to be certain. God is faithful, isn't he? Did you know you are called to be faithful? And that your faith is affected by your faithfulness or your lack thereof. Unfaithful people have trouble with their faith. Faithful people find faith easier. Comes natural. You're already in the faith flow. People who are untrustworthy themselves have difficulty trusting other people. Did you hear me now? Because they assume you like me. I'm shifted. You can't count on what I say. You probably know better than me. So they eye everybody through the filter of what they are. You heard the phrase, and this is not a scripture, but people say it takes one to know one. <laughs> well, that's, then that's not a verse. Uh, but if you are familiar with something, you're certainly going to spot it right. in somebody else. And if you're a really good liar, you're going to spot liars. You go, ah, I know what you're doing. I did that yesterday. <laughs> uh. How many know You should be a terrible liar. You don't know how to lie. You never practiced it. You never got good at it. And you're not going to learn. Go with me to the book of Psalms. While you're going to the book of Psalms, you're going to Psalm 37. Let me just read a few verses to you. Don't try to turn to them or write them down. Just listen to these while you turn over there. You're going to... uh, Where? Psalm 37. That's right. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Know this, the Lord your God, He is God. He is the faithful God that keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. That sounds like almost our text we've been on on Sunday morning about loving Him and keeping His commandments. Is He faithful to you when you do that? Oh, not just you, but your kids, and your kids' kids, and their kids, and their kids. Oh, how can I say this? There are amazing opportunities have come into the lives of many in this auditorium tonight, watching by internet, and the Lord, in allowing you a place in some of these things, He is actually being gracious and faithful to your great, 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 great grandmother. I'm telling you. Your mother, your father, your grandparents, your great I mean relatives you don't even know you have. But any time a man or a woman will be faithful to God, you understand they sow faithfulness seeds that allows him To demonstrate his faithfulness to them. Generations. Into the future of their descendants. One of the greatest things you ever did for your kids. 
was obey and be faithful to God. I know a brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, tells this story. Uh, years ago, he was out on the road and he was doing some things that was kind of hard on him and his family. It would have been more comfortable for him to stay where he was pastoring, but the Lord led him to go have meetings and, and eventually in neutral places. And he was doing some things that some other people weren't doing. Teaching wasn't popular back then, and the Lord told him to do it. And anyway, they were having some financial hardship and some other things. And not long after that, his son was in the military, Ken Jr., and, and he was overseas. And the Lord woke him up, Brother Hagin, in the middle of the night, woke him up out of a dead sleep. And told him, he said, if you hadn't obeyed me and been faithful to do what I told you to do, they'd have brought him home in the box. But because you did, he'll come home alive and serve the Lord. And he found out later at that same time, over in where was it, Taiwan or whatever, Taipei, I forget. He was with a bunch of guys. They were out riding some, was it a motorcycle or a car or something like that? And they were up on this mountainous road and he hit some gravel and thought he slid off the side of the cliff. And I reckon he did, didn't know it. But he, they came back the next day and looked and the skid marks went off the road. How did he get back on in the nighttime? I reckon one of God's big angels just pushed him back on. Amen. He didn't know it, but he must have had daylight under his tires for a few seconds there. And the Lord told him if he hadn't obeyed him, they'd have brought him home in the box. And that's what would have happened. Is God faithful to those that are faithful to him? He's able to manifest his faithfulness. And not just to you, but to your children and children's children's. He said to a thousand generations of them that love him and keep his commandments. Wow, thousand generations. There are a number of people in here. It would help us. It would be humbling to us to realize the reason we've had some of the opportunities we've had is not because we're so smart and pretty and amazing and done everything right. God is being faithful to our forefathers. They obeyed him and were faithful to him. And he's given their descendants an opportunity to do some of his things. I know it's true with me. I know it's true with several people. You want to do something for your kids? There's something more important than making sure they got good clothes and a good place to live and a good education. Something far more important. It's you being faithful to God. Come on now, you being faithful to God, put something over your children for their whole life long. Well, if we believe this, we'd get serious about it. God is faithful. Did you find the scripture? Psalm 37 and 5. Psalm 37 and 5. Put it up. It says, commit your way. To the Lord. Do what? Somebody say commit. What does commit mean? When you're committed. You're not still holding on to something else with one hand. When you're committed. You're depending on this. You're completely relying on it. You know, 
You committed yourself to that chair tonight. You're not trying to hold yourself up at all. How many know before you commit yourself to a chair, you should judge and see if that chair is faithful or not? Tell me what a faithful chair will do. You see the definition? That which stands under, that which is firm, that which is true. That's what faith is based on. Faith is the foundation, the firm support for what? For what you expect, for things hoped for. The evidence, the conviction of the reality of the truth of things you can't see or feel or prove in the physical realm. That's what faith is. You committed yourself to that chair. You trusted that chair without even looking at it. Maybe you've been in here before. And you just thought, that's a faithful chair. I'm going to prop up on that chair. It's going to hold me up. You committed yourself to your car for it to bring you here. How many of you get far enough away from the shore, out in the ocean, you're committed. You have committed yourself to that boat to get you back or get you where you need to be. And if it's full of holes and it's a piece of junk, you're foolish for committing yourself to it. In uh, aircraft, especially bigger and faster aircraft, every time you take off, there's a called decision speed. Because you get a jet with a bunch of weight and a bunch of speed, at a certain point, you cannot get it stopped on the remaining runway. So you are committed to go flying. This happens every time. It's called decision speed. V1 is what it's called. You push the power up, you get to roll it. It's 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. You call V1, that means we're going flying now. (laughs) Rotate, pull her off of the ground. Now, before V1, you can chop the power, jump on the brakes, and get her stopped before you run through the fence on the other end. (laughs) If you've done your math right. (laughs) But there comes a point where you're committed, and you know it. You know, we're going flying. Well, what if the engine's on fire? We're going flying. What if it's spewing all everywhere? We're going flying. Someone say, you're kidding. Oh, no. If you want to live, you better go flying. You're committed. Somebody say committed. 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 Now, we do this all the time, different things of life. And you're putting faith in people, you're putting faith in machines, you're putting faith in stuff, because you commit yourself to it. You're counting on it to bring you through, to get you up, to get you back, to get you across, to hold you up. Tell me what this verse said again. What did it say? What do you do? Commit. Somebody say commit. Commit. Commit means we're through debating it. There are guys that have died, what I was talking about, you know, flying, because they wavered. They said, you know, V1, 
That means decision's been made. We're going flying. And something happens. So what is that? I don't know. Should we stop? I don't know. It's too late. Did you hear me? You had to have your mind made up before you started. Because in the moments that you did that, what is that? I don't know. Should we stop? I don't know. You've already wasted another 500 feet of runway. So it's all out the window now. How many know you need to make up your mind about committing your way to the Lord? You don't need to, when something comes up, when your baby slapped with a disease, you don't need to be wondering about, can I trust God with this or not? Did you hear me now? When a big bill slaps you upside the head, it's not time. Do we trust him or not? Do we know? You need to know that you know that you know he is faithful. You can trust your life on him. You can trust your child's life on him. Come on. You can trust everything on him. You can completely commit to him Counting on him that if he doesn't come through, you ain't going to make it. But you're not concerned. Because he has never failed. And he never will. What did Sarah do? How did she receive a total change in her body? She counted him faithful. That he could do it. That he would do it. That it would happen. Just like he said. Go to Proverbs, please. Actually, go. Where are you? You're in Psalms? Before you get out of there, Psalm 78. There's one here close by. Everybody awake? Yes, Believe in God with me? Yes. Help me out now. You going to make it? Yes. How you going to make it? God is faithful. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to my family. Come on, somebody said out loud, God is faithful faithful to me. me. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to my family. He's faithful to me. What does that mean? You can count on him. You can count on him. You can rely on him. You don't have to have a backup plan. You don't have to hold on to something else with one hand. He's it. Commit your way to it, that psalm said, and he'll bring it to pass. Isn't that what he said? I didn't read the rest of it. Put it back up on the screen. You're in Psalm 78, aren't you? Put that back up, Psalm 37, is that what it was? Read it out loud. Commit your way to the Lord. Do what else? Trust. In him. And what will happen? And he shall. Bring it to pass. Apply that to yourself personally right now. What are you dealing with? Your body. If your body needs changes in it. Commit your way to him. Hmm? Can he take care of it? Can he change that? Do you believe he can? You believe he's well able to. and, And he wants it done. And he will. Manifest whatever needs to happen. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. That means you're confident. I'll have it. I'll have it. You're not worried and scared and trying to figure out what you're going to do without it because you're not going to be without it. Are y'all with me now? Trust in Him. 
commit to him. You got too many people coming to church trying stuff. Trying stuff. Oh, I'll try going to church for a little while. I'll try that tithing stuff. I'll try that giving. I'll try. Honey, it don't work by trying. The whole thing that makes it work is faith. Faith means we've already made up our mind about it. It works. Because he said it. We're not trying anything. We're doing it. And we'll be doing it next week. And we'll be doing it next week. And we'll be doing it next month. And next year. Because he ain't going to change. And his word doesn't change. We are committed to his word. And to things happening the way he said they would happen. We're committed to him taking care of us. We're committed. Trust in him. What did the Bible say? And he'll do what? Tell me what he'll do. This ought to be music to your ears, brother. What will he do? He shall. You can't say it any stronger than that. He shall bring it to pass. He shall. He shall. Now, one thing you'll see, and, and we're going to go just a little bit further with this. You can take it tonight, can't you? You got, you got time? When you have faith in God, and you have faith and you know His will, you're bold to say what He will do. The ambiguity leaves. The wavering is gone. The might happen, could happen. We'll see. Gone. 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 When you're in faith about something, you get bold to say what he has done and what he will do. You get bold. And it's not, you're not trying to prove anything to anybody else. You're just committed. Somebody say committed. You're committed. You're sure. You're relying on him. You're leaning your whole weight. You're resting on him. You're counting on him. If he don't come through, you're done. But you're not worried about it. Not losing any sleep. Because he is. Faithful. Reliable. Trustworthy. You can count on him. And we do. Mm-mm-mm. Commit your way to him. Trust in him. And he shall bring it to pass. That's your verse for the month now, okay? You got, you got that? Huh? <laughs> Commit it to him. Quit playing with it. Commit. This is how we're going. We're doing this thing. We're believing him. Yeah, we trust him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 78, did you find that? 78 and 57 describes unfaithfulness. Psalm 78, 57. It says, they turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their father's They turned aside like a deceitful bow. The NIV says they were disloyal and faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. 
They were as undependable, the New Living says, as a crooked bow. Talking about a bow with an arrow. Now let me understand, if you're in the battle, and somebody's closing in on you, and it's time to shoot, you whip out your arrow, what is a faulty bow? A bow is one that's supposed to provide tension so that you can shoot your arrow, but a bad bow, instead of it holding its shape, it'll bend in. And it's worthless. How many know if you were counting on this thing in the middle of the battle, you're in a world of trouble. They're closing in on you. You got no weapon. This bow that you were counting on has collapsed. It's like a rubber noodle. You can't shoot anything with it. And you're wishing I hadn't have brought that. Could be your end. In the middle of a battle. How many know in the middle of a battle. You need weapons that are proven. You need weapons you can count on. You own a weapon. You can drag through the mud. And get rain on. And it's not going to jam. It's going to fire. You say well I don't care about all that. I'm not interested in violence. Well if you was in the middle of it. And 90 people was coming down on your head to kill you. You would be. You couldn't stand up there and give them your nonviolent speech. They don't want to hear it. They want to shoot you between the eyes. You'd be wanting to know about something that won't jam. That won't fail you in your hour of need. You know, in everything, you know, things are tested. Vehicles are tested. I like gadgetry just as much as the next guy. But I don't want... To be on the bleeding edge of technology. You got cutting edge, bleeding edge. That's too far. Somebody said, what do you mean? Well, something that they just came out with last week. It's amazing. So they want you to go across an ocean with it in an airplane. I want something that's anvil simple. It's been working for the last 40 years. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I like technology as much as the next guy. But when it comes to something like that, it's a thousand miles of ocean that way. It's a thousand miles of ocean that way. And you can holler all you want to. And ain't nobody going to come get you. till maybe a month from now. You know, I was checking on some things about overwater flights. This has been a year or two ago we were going to do, we flew across the Gulf and did some things. And man, I was surprised to realize, I figured if you had a problem, so we did what we needed to do and got our preparations and you get a raft and all that kind of stuff. I figured, well, if you did have to go down and you got it all right, you know, they could come pick you up within a few hours. Uh-uh. <laughs> we don't have anything. Helicopters can only go just a little ways from the shore. They don't have the range to get out there. You have to wait till a ship happens to come by and pick you up. Well, that means you are committing yourself to something. You are really trusting that ship or that plane that's taking you across there. Because I understand, you know, uh, 
sure, they might get to you in three days, but who wants to hang around out there with the sharks for three days? You may not have a half a day. But with God, He's never failed anybody. He's not going to fail you. Look at another description of this. Proverbs 25. Then we're going to look at something else and you're going to shout about this. Proverbs 25. I want this picture of unfaithfulness real clear so that we can contrast. Because we don't just need to know that God's faithful. We need to become faithful ourselves, don't we? He expects it of us. And it's key to so many other things in our life. Proverbs 25, are you there? 19. 25, 19. What does it say? Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. This is a perfect picture of faith and faithfulness or unfaithfulness. What do you mean? Listen to this translation. New Living says, Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing on a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Do you see the picture? If you're trying to chew something, you are counting on those teeth, aren't you? You're putting pressure on them. You're committing to them. And if one of them is broken and gives way, it was not faithful to do his job. And it's going to cause you problems. And if you go to step down, I mean, in a little bit, you're going to get up and walk out of here. And what are you going to do? You are counting on that foot holding you up, aren't you? You're counting on your foot being faithful. And if you go to put your weight on it, and it folds, and down you come, it was an unfaithful foot. You couldn't count on it. You couldn't put the weight on it. You couldn't rely on it. Are you a faithful person? What would that mean if you're a faithful person? It means people can count on you. Is this key to our being promoted in life? Is it key to our coming into the fullness of the plan that God has for us? As I learn more and go through the ministry, I see more and more people are excited about the call on their life. They're excited about the grand and glorious things that God could do in them and with them and and through them and for them. And that's all right. But they're not concerned enough about faithfulness. And don't realize that no matter what kind of call you have on your life, how quickly you get into that call, or if you ever get into that call, determines on if you are faithful. Luke 16 talks about this. Jesus talks about it. He said, he that's faithful in that which is least would be faithful in much. 
He that's unfaithful in that which is least would be unfaithful in much. Philistinized leaders, spiritual parents now. It, it troubles our hearts when we see people unfaithful. And it's not because we're concerned the job won't get done. We have faith in God. That if they don't do it, somebody else will rise up and do it. But we know if they're unfaithful, they're out of their plan. They were supposed to be faithful there and learn some lessons and grow and develop. And then God could promote them and use them for something else. Nobody is promoted simply by the passage of enough time. In God's kingdom, there is no social promotion. I don't care if you're seven foot tall and you're sitting in first grade. Unless you pass the test, you're going to stay in first grade. And so many people are interested in grandiose things. Something big. And they want something more visible. They want something more uh, spectacular and they don't realize they don't qualify you have to be faithful what's faithful mean what's faithful mean reliable you can count on them if somebody was counting on you to be there and you're not there then they have to come and take care of it. Or they have to get somebody else to take care of it. They tried to put weight on you and you folded. Come on, can you see this now? If you said you were going to do it, if you said you were going to be there, and you're not there, and you fold and you get out, now you are disqualifying yourself from what should have followed in your life. We must be faithful if we want to come into the fullness of what he's called us. And being faithful includes passing tests. And I know you didn't think you was getting all this tonight. But it includes obeying. It includes submitting. I know this is a very unpopular word, but it's in the Bible numerous times. Looking back over, I don't care how wonderful a person you are and how much you love the Lord. Your whole course throughout it, there are going to be some situations where you will have to submit. Nobody gets past this. Nobody gets around this. And part of it has to do with developing your own character. Helping you yourself to identify your own pride and overcome it. And it's grieved me to see friends of mine and people that I've seen under us and in the ministry. You see them coming to that place and you know what's going to happen. And you can't change it. And sometimes you can't tell them because they don't want to hear it. And so they harden their heart and they stiffen their neck and they're not going to do it. And they change and they get out. And what they've just proven is that they're unfaithful. Because now they're not in their place. They're not doing their job. Somebody else has got to take care of it. 
Somebody's got to come in because they wouldn't submit. They wouldn't obey. They wouldn't do it. And then they'll realize, now, where are they? They're supposed to be here, faithfully doing their job. They're not there anymore. They're over here. And they still got a call on their life, and they know that's real. But they want it to come out some other way. So they want to start their own services. They want to start their own ministry. They want to start their... And maybe 20 years from now, if they had been faithful, it would have been right to do. But the only way to really be qualified for it is if they'd have stayed in their place. And learned their lessons. And submitted and obeyed. But now, they can't learn that. Doing what they're doing. And so they'll falter. And they'll flail. It's sad. People are doing this for decades at a time. Now I'm not saying something that I don't know about. Phyllis and I. Over the past 30 years. I know myself. There have been a half dozen times. At least. Where I could have missed the plan of God for my life. I came up to something and I either submit or I bail. Did you hear me now? There's been time after, and I could have justified myself in it, and there would have been people that would have agreed with me and this and that, and I'd have still been out of the will of God, and you and I wouldn't be looking at each other tonight. Everybody will come to a place in life. More than once throughout your whole life. The question is going to be, are you going to be reliable? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to stay in your place? Are you going to do your job? Are you going to shut your mouth? Are you going to submit? Are you going to have your say and stomp off and tell everybody you can hear from God just as good as they can? Did you hear me? And get out of the will of God. Are you going to be faithful? Reliable? We got faithful people in this church. A lot of them. What do you mean? We don't have to think about stuff. We know that's going to be done. You know it. You know. You know it's going to be taken care of. I lose no sleep. I'm relying on the Lord. And I'm relying on hundreds and hundreds of people all through this church. And we're seeing faithfulness. And the faithful people. Let me tell you about the faithful people now. It is written. The faithful man. Shall abound. In blessings. Is it true or not? It's written. And we're already seeing it. Though we've been here just a few years. We're seeing it. You see the people that are faithful, they get here early, they stay late, they sacrifice, they do things, you know, they give of their self and adjust their life and schedule around the things of God. They also are the people who haven't lost their stuff. Are you listening? Who are still going strong. The people who are increasing, who are being promoted. Are you listening? The faithful man. But why? Because if you're faithful with a little charge, you'll be faithful with more and God will give it to you. Can you say amen or oh me or or something? Do you want to be faithful? Do you want to be reliable? Do you want to be the kind of person somebody can count on? 
absolutely count on. Don't despise what other people might call a small thing. I can look back, Phyllis, and I can look back over our life up to this point. Some people see us and know us. We're in front of people now. But oh, for year after year after year after year, we were behind the scenes. And glad to be. And some of my first jobs, you wouldn't have thought were very spiritual. But I understand, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have qualified for the next. You wouldn't have qualified for the next. Or the next. Or the next. Don't despise what the Lord allows you to do. Everything in the kingdom is significant. Everything you do for the church of God, the kingdom of God, is important. Everything. 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 And if you're faithful at it, then you qualify for God to show you His faithfulness and demonstrate it to you in promotion and blessing. Listen to me, friend. If people can't rely on you, God can't rely on you. Don't kid yourself. If people can't count on you, God can't count on you. It's the truth. And the more you are faithful, your awareness and faith in His faithfulness comes to a whole nother level. Because you know if He can help you to be faithful, how much more faithful is He than you? You know if somebody can count on you, how much more can you count on Him? There have been things in finances and sewing that the Lord's dealt with Phyllis and I to do. And it's helped us so much because at the time it seemed like it wasn't the best time to do it. And it was a big thing for us. But then we did it. And then I realized if I'll do it, somebody else will do it. God could use them to sew it to me. But see, if you won't do it, you get to thinking everybody's like, well, nobody will do that. Well, you're wrong. Everybody's not like you. But if you won't do it, you get to thinking, well, nobody else will do it either. Nobody will do that. Yeah, they will. They're doing it. And when you do, it opens you up on the inside. And you get bold. When God can count on you, you begin to get bold about what he will do. Because you know when he tells you, you'll do it. Go to Daniel. Let's shout a little bit. I think some folks need it right now. I didn't intend to get into all this just like this tonight, but we did. I'm not quite through with that. You know, Phyllis and I helped Brother Hagen and Miss Aretha, one of the greatest privileges of our life for years. And we helped them in natural things and in spiritual things. And when we first started helping, I know we were over at their house one time, and they were cooking a meal. And Phyllis was a pretty good cook. And uh, we're from the South. And we know about fresh vegetables and, and, and fruits and stuff. And Brother Hagen had some tomatoes he wanted cut. And so Phyllis grabs them and starts cutting them. And he says, no, no. That's not how you cut a tomato. <laughs> well, now, she's from Louisiana. I'm from Mississippi. We've seen some tomatoes in our time. <laughs> but he said, no, no, that's not how you cut. Well, what did he say? Stand aside. What, what did he say? Let me show you how you cut a tomato. How you slice a tomato? He took, he said, give me the knife. He took the knife away from her. He said, what did he say? Let me show you how to do that. 
So you know what she did? She stood back. She said, okay, I guess, right? We got to come back the other time, so I guess. Uh, And he showed her. And so she changed the way she did the tomato at his house. Now some people will say, well, that's ridiculous. No, uh uh-uh. It's his tomato. I don't know if y'all are with me on this or not now. We have had, sadly, we've had a number of people rebel against us and try to tell us that they had heard from God how the church was supposed to do this or that or the other. And that they had the Holy Ghost and they could hear from God as well as we could. You do have the Holy Ghost. You should be able to hear from God just as good as anybody else. But you can't hear from God for me. Are you listening? And for us as leaders, you can't hear from God for us, for the direction of our leadership as well as we can. How ignorant. You see what I'm saying? And yet people, they misunderstand that. They think, well, I got the Spirit and I know this. Well, as soon as you start your church, I reckon you can do it the way you feel like the Lord shows you. Well, it's the Lord's church. Sure is. Well, then he ought, let's let him run it. Great. Who gets to say what that is? Who gets to say what the will of the Lord? You see what I'm talking about? People have all these great ideas about, well, let's just do it like this and let's just do it like that. No, no. They're just trying to avoid anything that resembles submission. Because most of the church has just completely done away with it. They say it doesn't fit in our times and we all have the spirit and this and that. Listen, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I know in a half a dozen times in the past 30 years where I could have missed the plan of God for my life. There were times I was upset. There were times I was angry. Not everybody knew it. There were times I came and fell across the bed and said, God, I want to do something else. Put in a request for a transfer. And it came back. Didn't I? I got a choice. I got a choice. It's time to submit. And get your heart right about it. Are you listening to me? And if I had, if she had jumped out of our place had our say and done things that we felt our flesh felt like doing, we would have missed the next thing that led to the next thing that led to the next thing. Do you understand? We got all kind of people in the body of Christ. They're not in their place. They're out of their place. That's why they're so frustrated. That's why things are not working. And it's because they wouldn't listen. They're so stubborn. So hard-headed. And they try to spiritualize it. They try to quote scriptures that makes it alright for them to be this hard-headed. And it's just rebellion. And disobedience. Not everybody's supposed to have their own ministry. So many people would be a greater blessing to the body of Christ if they'd quit trying to do their own and get in and help the person the Lord told them to help. And do what he told him to do. 
There's a lot of little stuff that's not bearing much fruit that should be a part of something else. I know people don't like that, but it's just the truth. And of course, that's the natural thing for folk to do. If they don't like this, don't like that, they'll go start their own. Go across the road and start their own. And the Lord's not in it. But people struggle along with that kind of thing for 20 years. Till it fizzles out and they lose everything. I know what I'm talking about. I know of people, individuals. I, I'm not going to call names, but I mean, they're, they're closing the doors on their places. And they already did this. But the thing started out in rebellion. It started out in defiance. They talked about their leaders behind their back. They talked about their spiritual fathers and mothers. Somebody say unfaithful. They divulged private information that they were given in confidence. Somebody say unfaithful. 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 And if you keep doing that kind of stuff, you'll lose your place. And now you're in a mess. You'll think, well, I, I, I know God. I can go anywhere and do it. No, you can't. You can try it. You can stumble around. You can waste years of your life. But you can't give your revised plan to God and Him say, okay, I'm going to ditch my plan and we'll accept yours. It doesn't work. If it's their tomato. (laughs) Now you cut your tomato at your house any way you want to. But if it's their tomato. You cut it their way. If you don't cut it their way, if you only cut it their way when they're watching you, and then when they leave the room, you cut it another way. Help me out. What is that? What is Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Because it was just as much their tomato when they left the room as when they were in the room. Still their tomato. Did you find Daniel? Third chapter. We're talking about you being faithful, me being faithful, and how that helps us in counting God faithful. Daniel, this situation is referred to in Hebrews 11. It says that through faith, people quenched fire. You remember this story or not? Hmm? Quenched fire. The mouths of lions were shut. Well, what's that talking about? That's, that's Daniel. And quenched fire, what's that talking about? Fiery furnace. But I want you to see something that some modern translations have really messed up. And I've even heard so-called faith preachers preach error on this passage. And I want to say it to you bold and no uncertain terms about this tonight. Daniel 3 Nebuchadnezzar made him an image. And he got too big for his britches. You understand that phrase? And he said everybody should worship him. So he builds him this huge, huge statue. And he said, okay. When the music plays, everybody, and I mean everybody, fall down. Worship my gold image. So, man, he has a power of life and death in his word. King over the known world. So the band strikes up. They play the music. Everybody hits the dirt. I mean kings, princes from all the provinces all over the known world. Except these three heads. Stick it up. 
very conspicuous. And they work in his palace. Oh, man, he's looking over surveying. Uh, you know, he's eating this up. Everybody is bowing down to him and his big statue. Oh, yeah. Huh? What? Who is that? And I mean, the guards grabbed him and they drug him up there and he knew him. Some of these Hebrew guys that they'd taken captive and trained in the schools there and that had been promoted and were over some of the king's business. And he said, what? Go on down to uh, verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, he commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, and he said, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he knows them. You don't serve my gods. You're not going to worship the golden image I've set up. Now, with a lot of situations, this would have been the end. They'd have just executed them. Boom. That would have been the end of it. But he knows these guys. He likes them. He says, I'm going to give you another chance. To show you how big I am. Verse 15. If you be ready... At that time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psalter, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, we'll just forget about all this. Everything will be fine. Maybe you guys didn't get the instructions right. Maybe you didn't know what was going on. I know y'all are foreigners. You're not from around here originally. And maybe you just did not know. We're going to play the music. You're going to hit the deck. And if you do, everything will be fine. But if you worship not, you shall be cast that same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now you standing there, great big guards are holding you down. You can feel the heat of the furnace from here. It's time to know what you believe. Reckon how many people would have folded in this situation right here? How many? How many? Would have said, oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, Just play that music. Hey, one more time. (laughs) They would have hit the deck. They would have kneeled. They would have bowed. They would have saved their lives. That's if you're not committed Were these boys committed? We know they were. You've heard this story. You've read this. Were these boys committed? Had they committed their way to the Lord? Were they trusting in Him? They said, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, O king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. We don't need no time to think about this. We don't have to ponder this. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
But if not. And a lot of modern translations right here says. But if he doesn't. That is wrong. I said that is wrong. The scripture did not say that. It could not say that. They could not say that and be in faith. Impossible. I've heard people preach on this and say, well, it just shows their commitment that they're saying, even if the Lord doesn't deliver us, then we're still not going to serve your idol. Uh, duh. If he doesn't deliver them, they ain't doing anything around there anymore. That's really unnecessary to say, we're not going to serve your idol if he don't deliver us. doesn't make sense. I mean, ten or dozen different modern translations will say it just like this, but if God doesn't deliver us, this is wrong. Are y'all with me now? These are people who don't understand faith. They don't know what they're talking about. No way, no how, these men said, if he doesn't deliver us. Because if they'd have said that, they wouldn't have been in faith. Are y'all with me now? Very important. You get this clear. This is, well, maybe it said it. No, it didn't say it. Are you with me now? If you don't get this straight, you can mess up in faith. This is non-negotiable. If you understand faith, you know there's no way, no how. They stood up there and said, he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, no way. They wouldn't have been in here. They're answering what he said. If. If what? If you fall down and worship. My idol, when the music plays, he's not going to throw them in. But if you don't, I'm going to throw you in that fiery furnace. And who is that God that will deliver you? They answered him in reverse order. They answered the last thing he said. Then they answered the first thing he said. If it be so. If what be so? If what be so? If you throw us in. If you throw us in, we want you to know. Oh, come on now. Can you, can you see this? They're standing up there. They got their life in their own hands. Are they committed? Are they counting God faithful? No, this is not an imaginary. This is not mythology. This happened. There was a day when these men were standing there in front of this king, knowing he will throw them in. And they said, if it be so, that you're going to throw us in that fire furnace if we don't bow down. We want you to know that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. And. Come on, and. Oh, come on, and. He will deliver us. But if you don't throw us in. Understand, we're not going to do it. You can play the music as many times as you want to. And if you don't throw us in and you give us this other opportunity, we're not going to do it. Boy, it made him so mad. Oh, them standing up to him like that. Man, he commanded the fiery furnace to be heated hotter than it ever had before. It was so hot that the people that threw him in perished. Is that right? 
And how many understand these boys are committed? Are they committed? You reckon they're counting God faithful? What are they standing on? They're standing on him doing what they said he would do. That he is able to deliver them and he will deliver us. Friend, there's a reason I'm camping on this so hard. Do you understand? You cannot be ambiguous. You cannot be wavery. You can't, well, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. That's faithless. That's wavering. You got to know what he said. You got to know what he will do. And you got to be bold about it. And you got to be committed to it. Committed to it. Committed to it. Your faith will be tried. I know it would have been more comfortable if God would have manifested something right there at the throne and he just changed his mind and throw them in. He's screaming at them. They tied them up. They put extra clothes on them so they'd burn real good. They're heading them. They're running toward the fiery furnace and the heat is just blasting. What are they thinking? Lord, any time would be good. Any time. Uh, What if they're in faith? Tell me, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? He will deliver us. Oh, come on, help me out. He will. He will. He will. That's why these modern translations are such terrible error to throw that in there. It's not in the text. It's not in the original scripture to say, but if he doesn't. Friend, that is a faith-destroying phrase. No way, no how. They said this. You heard what they said. Our God. Whom we serve. Help me out. He's able. He is able. To deliver us from that burning fiery furnace. Come on help me. This is the part where people come up short. Isn't it? This is the part where people fail. And they falter. And they waver. And they're scared to say it. And they won't commit. Did they commit? They knew their life was in their hands when they said this to him. They said, and what? Help me out. He will deliver us out of your hand. Did he do it? I'm telling you, the people fell out dead that threw them in. Only thing that burnt off was their ropes. They're standing around out there in the fire. In the fire. And there was somebody in there with them. And they felt no pain. And they felt no harm. He had to ask them to come back out. They were in there that long. It was so hot it killed people at the entrance. They're inside in the core of this raging inferno. Wonder what they were doing. Yellow and red and white flames are flickering and rolling in this place. And Shadrach looked at Meshach and went, Whoa! This is amazing. You hot? I oh, me neither. What they doing there? I might have danced a little bit. I'm dancing in the fire. And I'm feeling no pain. I've been there go, how are you? Man, I've never been better. 
And they realize somebody else is in there with them. Oh, who is this? They know who it is. Tell me why such an amazing miracle happened for these guys. Why they were delivered in the face of certain death. They counted God faithful. And they were absolutely confident of what he would do. They were committed to it. And it happened. And we teach it to our children. And we're still talking about it today. Centuries and centuries later. Stand up on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.